Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Making It EV, your podcast about EVs. We are Nina, Jolo, and Bernsey, and today we are tackling one of the biggest questions surrounding EVs, the environmental impact. Now, some climate change actions have a bigger impact than others. Where does EV tech sit? Yeah, I think this is really... It's a, it's a tough question to answer, but I think um, what you want to start off with is understanding what we mean by impact. Um, because people have their own interpretations of that. Now, the how we all got here with climate change is really the the amount of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere, right? And we all have... There's all many ways in that can happen. Um, but one of the biggest ways is how we consume energy. So um, energy just doesn't come out of nowhere. We, don't, we can't just pick it off a tree and be like, hey, we've got energy now. We have to make it. Um, energy comes from somewhere. It's just basic laws of physics. You make it or you mine it. Basically, energy cannot be produced from nothing. It has to come from somewhere, right? And when it comes to the energy that we use on a day-to-day basis, that is being produced in a multitude of ways. Um, and you think about all different types of energy, so that being one that's being produced by fossil fuels, so that's burning coal that we've dug out of the ground. Um, but energy can also be produced from wind. It can be produced from solar panels through, uh, from the sun. Um, and there's, there's a few others. There's, there's other ways as well. But it's really then it comes down to, like, okay, what's the cheapest and what's the, you know, the easiest to, to produce and so on and so forth. And then you start getting into the whole granularity around, well, you know, I choose to do it this way because it's better for the environment and so on. But if you just take a step back and you think about what does... Um, impact mean it means on a real brass tax level how much carbon carbon dioxide are you putting into the atmosphere with the way in which you use energy now um, that's measured in kilograms or grams or tons you know go to the supermarket and get a certain amount of kilos of apples same <laughs> you know you, you, you can you can wow, measure kilos. it <laughs> i'm not getting tons of apples yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fancy's never going to the doctor. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, so it's important to think about it because when there's a lot of language around it and it's really important to kind of understand which types of words mean what. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll just rattle off a few, right? So I've already said carbon, um, but that's also not an approach. Scientifically, it's not an appropriate word to use because mm. it's not literally not carbon. Carbon's actually a very, very good thing uh, for everything. It's carbon dioxide that we are releasing into the atmosphere. That's the bad stuff, right? Um, and it's it's and carbon dioxide has always existed in the atmosphere, only we're just pumping a hell of a lot more into it than the climate or that the planet can sustainably convert or um, basically, you know, keep using different ways of siphoning that out into different things. It's always existed, right? This isn't new. We're just producing a hell of a lot of it. Um, and the planet can't sustain the amount that we're producing carbon good carbon dioxide bad yeah there's a really really good documentary about carbon um it's on the abc we might put in the notes it actually really it really clearly communicates that carbon itself the actual thing is profoundly amazing it, it literally is the thing that binds everything together but it's the way in which carbon travels between things and how it's being because it never disappears it always exists right in some maybe it's a gas maybe it's a solid maybe it's a liquid um but what we do with carbon as in human beings do a lot of the times we convert it 
into a gas and then that gas is released into the atmosphere and then that's too much of that creates hole in the ozone layer and then the that affects the the climate because more of those those rays are heating up the from the sun are heating up the planet so on and so forth and then you kind of understand from there okay yeah nod your head that's where temperatures rise and the climate changes and so on and so forth exactly. so so essentially it is bad for the planet in the way that it affects us humans living life on the planet so plants animals humans if this planet wasn't uh full of life it it doesn't really matter in a way like whether tides are rising or falling eh but it, it's a fact <laughs> the planet that will live on exactly the yeah. planet it, it's not as if the sun is about to explode earth it is no. where we're suffering as a result a, there's a really really narrow goldilocks zone around where in which life could be really can flourish and that's where that's the comfort zone we've been living for t- for tens and tens and thousands of years um and that's at risk. And that's at risk because it essentially, you know, compromises all that and, and everything, the climate becomes a really, really hostile one rather than one where life flourishes and we're really enjoying it and we don't have to worry about going outside. The opposite, we would be yeah, going outside to a hostile climate, which makes things, everything a lot harder and ecosystems break down. You kind of, there's this whole dependency around all these little tiny things, like millions and millions of little things that depend upon each other will begin to break down and no one knows the consequences fully, but they know it's bad. And we're already feeling so much of it, right? Even in the past year, all the floods, bushfires from a few years ago, the droughts in Europe at the moment, which are just unearthing all sorts of crazy things. a lot more things. erratic. There, there's, yeah. so ma- there's so many things. But essentially, it's a big issue. It's a yeah. big problem. We almost can't wrap our heads around it. Yeah. So particularly for EVs, though, right, there are different ways that we can help the climate, obviously installing solar panels and, and there's buying things yeah. less travelled, you know, f- local fruit, local tons of apples not, not brought in from Mexico, for example. Yeah. But in terms of engines and and that usage of (laughs) bad energy if we can make the switch yeah how much of an impact does an ev make it's it's very considerable but there is a a, a bit of an asterisk there as to like uh, whether or not that is actually applicable and i'll I'll unpack that in a bit but i guess going back to what we're saying what there's always language around it what's really important is that the way we consume energy or the way we use it in our day-to-day lives has a profound but probably the biggest impact around how much CO2 we're putting into the atmosphere. Whether you're getting locally sourced apples or whether you're getting an EV, the whole aim of the game is to reduce how much carbon dioxide you emit into the atmosphere. If you want to be like putting a lens on how much impact I'm putting towards climate change, that's it. Your daily living. Carbon yeah. footprint. Your carbon footprint. That's what, that's what the carbon footprint, or it should be called the carbon dioxide footprint. But, you know, and that's where that's where people get a little bit you know, confused. Like, you said that there, but then you said this over there. And also might contribute to the fact that there is a, such polarising opinions like from yeah. some people who don't believe in climate change or don't think the impact is as severe uh, because maybe some of the language is actually getting misconstrued. They're like, well, no, carbon's always been around. It's like, sure, yeah. carbon dioxide is bad. So so then, so going back to your question of like, okay, what what does all this do? So if you just look at a household, right, like, and, and it's, it's easier to kind of put it into a bit of a tangible scenario rather than just, oh, the global emissions of this and that or the national emissions of this is, it's not really relative, right? You just get too, too far away. So if you just think about your household, like, and we'll, we'll do the context of Australia, the average 
you know, household, which is you know, basically classed as 2.6 people, 1.8 cars, you know, in a kind of a real rough average perspective. Um, so they're pretty broad brushstrokes, but it, it's a starting point. By far, like, and I'm talking a country mile, the greatest emitter of carbon dioxide is the way we use energy. If you say benchmark it between whether I'm vegetarian and I don't eat meat products versus, yeah, where do I where do I source my my food? Like, what where do I go to? Yeah, do I local farms or do I import get the imported stuff from California? Whatever. Um, and there's all these other things like you know how you how you um, how your waste is managed. Um, and they all have a carbon dioxide footprint attached to it. There's a weight, there's emissions that it does. But if you were just to like look at it from an energy usage of a household, your vehicle use. So when they say vehicle, this is assuming that it's an internal combustion car because EVs haven't been adopted by the mass market, right? So when they say vehicles, they just like that's how much petrol you consume, right? It is the largest of every household, right? And that is approximately five point five tons a year of carbon that so you're if releasing. you have a car essentially 5.5 tons a year you are internal yeah, yeah rough like roughly you know like and mm-hmm. that's the average so there'll be people that do a lot more than that and people that do a lot less than that but if you just put them all together and find the middle ground that's the middle ground and then really close behind that is how much electricity you use in your house right so Again, this is probably referencing a lot more that's related to EVs as electricity use. Um, that is a close second, which is 4.6 tonnes a year of carbon dioxide being released into the atmosphere. With that electricity, are they breaking down where that electricity is coming from? Yeah, and that, that's where there's another spectrum, mm. right? So there's I, there's if you were just to plug into the average grid, so if you don't have solar panels and you just you know, getting it from your regular energy provider, there's chances are that that's um, the way in which they produce that power, that electricity, is a whole range of whether it's really clean or whether it's really dirty. And it kind of goes back to our previous episode where, and I suggest anybody go back and listen to it if you haven't, but um, uh, Joel pointed to a calculator that kind of basically you plug in your address and you plug in, like, you know, what you drive, but because you're plugging in your address, that calculator knows where you're getting your energy from. There's your chances are you're getting it from these energy um, plants, and are they clean? Like how 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 much do they emit um, versus say other other areas of the country? So you know Tasmania is renowned in Australia for being very very clean in terms of how it produces its energy. Um, other other areas of the country, are, you know, there's there's many shades of grey. This is interesting, Burns, because I don't eat meat, and yep. I don't eat meat because of environmental reasons, mm-hmm. and I always thought that. That was the biggest thing that I could do. Yet now I'm learning it's actually about the car. Yeah, actually. cattle products does rank third in in how much, but it's about 1.1 tons of carbon dioxide a year. Now you compare that to your vehicle, which is 5.5. Wow, you're looking at you know almost five times wow. as much. So if you're looking at where's the biggest problem to solve, where's the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to your impact to climate change. First, first cab off the rank, vehicles. Mm. From that just perspective, you just want to frame it, right, as where's the problem? The problem is in many places, but where's the biggest problem? It's your vehicle and, and how you drive, um, but also your electricity use at home. They're the two biggest ones. Shortly followed by cattle products, appliances, other agricultural things, so on and so forth. So essentially, if you're a vegan who cycles, 
you're just Don't sure. the most beautiful person on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. You're nothing. Carbon, your carbon dioxide footprint is minimal. That's pretty rad. It's a toe print. I think there's another argument people can make. Oh, well, you know, it's just a house, my household. Like, what can that do, really? But when you when you zoom out even more, the actual kind of consumption of how a country would be basically emitting, so the amount of emissions that a whole country does, so domestic emissions, the actual household emissions, that makes up 42% of the entire national emissions of CO2. Right, so that's almost half. If if everybody just kind of got their act together at home, we're making a huge impact on that domestic kind of national level of emissions. So this is no like, oh, you know, oh, I'll just get, you know, I'll, I'll bring my own bag to the shopping centre, or you know, I'll get my groceries and I'll I'll get that you know green bag instead of a, a, a bad plastic one. Then pales in comparison as to the impact that you could achieve if you really focus on something like your electricity use and your the vehicle that you choose to use. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think one thing is obviously when we're looking at the socioeconomic status of people, if someone can't afford to get an EV, right, or they can't afford to necessarily pay more for a green energy provider, mm. they are trying to do their their little things, right? They will get the green bag. They totally. will say no to plastic straws. They will grab a keep cup and try and walk more and cycle. So I just want to make sure that we're not basically saying, you know, you're, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically, if you don't tackle this right now and get a 60K EV, yeah. because not everyone can do that. But if you are in a position, right? And like I said, I think people who are on the journey to buying EVs are already making some changes, right? They're probably looking already at green power providers. They're probably already reducing meat consumption and maybe doing a veggie garden. They're already conscious in those ways, and this is just the next step in that journey. Yeah. it's We all try and do our best, right? And some people just are... are are not able for many reasons to actually make some of the bigger, more expensive changes. But this particular podcast is actually for people who have maybe done the smaller things already and they're trying to make bigger changes and they're looking at EVs. Yeah. Let's dive into that a bit more. Let's get into the numbers between your traditional internal combustion engine car versus a battery electric vehicle. And does it have an impact? Really? That's the real question. And... The answer, like probably nine times out of ten, is yes, it will have a very, very significant impact. Similar to what we've, we've, we've talked about in the past in terms of the cost savings, it's almost virtually similar or in parallel to the carbon dioxide emissions that you're saving. It's effectively half. But it is a just like with the savings that you can make financially, it's a spectrum of, of what is possible. And I'll just kind of I'll, I'll, I'll talk about why that is about half because it's important to remember that there's certain stages to the lifetime of a car that have a hugely significant impact on the amount of emissions that it, that it releases. So there's two stages to really think about. It's what does it take to make the car? So actually the emissions involved in making one and then running one. How much does it take to run one in terms of the carbon dioxide emissions? So an internal combustion car, roughly about six tonnes of CO2 it would take to, to make that. So um, to make rubber for the tyres, yeah. the metal, the the energy it takes, yeah. to make a the car, water, cetera, yeah. making the engine parts, you know, the production lines, the shipping, all those things added all up, mm-hmm. right? Six tons of of CO two emitted per into, car, per just car, just to make, just to make one. 
Now, when it comes to running an internal combustion car, that's where it just basically compounds massively because you're running a car on petrol, which is uh, a strong emitter. Not only what the car is emitting, right, through the tailpipe, but also what it takes to get that petrol from the well to the wheel, right? This is this is where it all comes together. So for for the lifetime of a of an internal combustion car, so not just five years that you're using it, but its full lifetime, which is roughly anywhere between two hundred thousand to two hundred forty thousand k's, is roughly how long a car can, how many kilometers that it can run, um, and obviously the amount of kilometers that if it runs more, the more CO two it burns because there's more going out the tailpipe. But if you just look at that range, uh, let's let's just put a, a, a line in the sand for 200k of, of kilometres. Um, that quantity of CO2 is 35.9 tonnes of CO2 over its life. Plus the six to Plus the six it, it took to make it. So we're, we're talking over 40. Yeah, so over, over 40 tonnes of CO2 into the atmosphere, right, in total. It's, it's almost too much. As in, well, it is too much. You can't. You can't actually quite wrap your head around. Yeah, that's that, why. That's yeah. why it is the leading contributor uh, to emissions in a household. Right. This is why it's so big. And what was it you said? It was one point one point eight cars per average household in that kind of bizarre yeah, ABS yeah. type of data. Yeah. So we're talking up to eighty tons per household in Australia on average. Yes. For the lifetime of a of a car, let's say ten ish, fifteen yeah, years. Yeah, and that's as many lives in terms of the, the hands generations. that through generations. Yeah, you know, like so, and you and there's all kinds of ways you could split that up, right? Like a car gets less efficient and and more more harmful the older it gets, right? And, and things like that. And there's also different technologies around um, um, fuel efficiencies and and the emissions reduction. That different cars, you know, new cars versus old cars can do. So, it is a huge spectrum of things. But if you just want to talk brass tacks, you know, the kind of broad brush strokes, that's what you're looking at. Now, a battery electric vehicle, and I, I emphasise the word battery because there are other types of electric vehicles such as hybrids. Um, we're not going to cover that because that, again, that's another quite significant spectrum. So that's going to make things even more complicated. So we're going to try and keep it simple. And we just look at EVs that are ze- what you what's t- deemed as zero emission EV. So there's no nothing coming out the tailpipe. Well, there is no tailpipe. Uh, <laughs> is there no tailpipe on an no, EV? It doesn't, doesn't need to be because there's no there's no emissions. <laughs> How are you going to put tennis balls in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what 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 what's what's in the back end of an EV? Just just some lights. Yeah, some no headlights and yeah. that's how you can tell an EV if you're oh. coming out behind it. You have a look to see if there's no a, idea. There you there go. So, making an EV, oh. but do you know there's another thing that you can really, <laughs> really like atypical, like real classic EV. Like you can see it from a mile off. Is there's no grill in the front of the car? So you, typically cars have a grill for air to flow into the engine because you need air to run a combustion engine. You don't need air for a. Uh, uh, there's an no electric grill. vehicle, so there's this like that's why that's why Tesla's kind of look so like they look like spaceship. Yeah, they look spaceship. Oh gosh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, they don't have that feature in the design. Form follows function. Nana's gonna run outside and be like, like a that, kid, I spy. The, oh, there's one. There's that's one. an EV. <laughs> that's an EV. Oh, I mean, this is a bit of a, a tangential note, but like the function lends itself to a futuristic design, and obviously it mm. feels more innovative and and aspirational to have something that looks very cool and new. But it's interesting that they didn't almost fake a grill just so it feels a little bit more familiar mm. for people who are switching. So I mean, that's Tesla, which is mm. which is rather like kind of 
provocative. It's its own, its own right. It's thing, its own brand. Yeah. Like, um, but if you see some of the more maybe cheaper EVs, you, you will see to, like mm. a, a more of a nod to the traditional front of a car. So it doesn't feel like you're standing to me, out too much. Sure, and p- potentially from a from a cost perspective, right? If you've got a Nissan who who are doing ICE and they've got a couple of EV models, it might be easier to have a shell that they can sort of copy paste from ICE vehicles and then yeah, essentially just, just more plug a battery palatable. inside. Yeah. yeah, stylistically, it's more palatable for mm. for other for other people. Cool. But so let's get to the battery electric vehicle and what it you know the carbon emissions or carbon dioxide emissions involved in that. To, to make one, it actually it needs more carbon dioxide. Um, you consume more carbon dioxide than a traditional combustion engine car to make it. More. More. Um, so you're looking at um, eight tonnes of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere rather than the six tonnes that a combustion engine would need to make one. Do you have a breakdown of why? Um, yeah, I do. So... Comparatively, it's pretty much the same to to make one, but the biggest difference between the two cars is that is that a electric vehicle has a battery, and a combustion engine does not. Well, at least the size of the battery that you need to run a, a an electric vehicle. There are significant environmental costs to making a battery as opposed to making a combustion engine, and and that's really because the technology and the ability to make one is still in its infancy and it kind of when you when you step back right and you think about when the birth of the combustion engine came onto the scene and in, into Model the T market Ford. yeah you know like they you know, no one's driving those around anymore because they've the technology's gotten a lot better and more affordable and more efficient that journey is only in kind of its infancy for batteries as well so we can we can look at it from a service and be like, oh, you know, there's there's automatically just like a dismissive, oh, electric vehicles, no, batteries, they're not good for the environment, so I'm not doing that. And it's true, they aren't they aren't good for the environment. There's a whole we can talk about that a little bit more, but that's exciting though, isn't it? The fact that we're really at the start of this, yeah, where it comes to the technology and what it can mean for us, and it feels pretty out there already. Mm. But what does the future hold? I know, that's right? Incredible. And it, what does the future hold now that we know what we know? Right, I mean the Model T and the, the the cars of the of the day, the combustion cars. They had no idea what effects mm. they were having on the environment. They didn't know that they, they care, um, because the, the, it wasn't a thing. It, it, you know, they just seen this infinite resource that you just keep either removing or pumping into, and it's just like no harm done. But we know there's harm. So now that we know what we know, are we going to repeat the same mistakes? That's the kind of that's the real interesting thing to watch. And I doubt it because I think there's just so many more people that are awake to the issues that if we're making these if we're understanding the full life cycle of batteries we can't ignore what we now we know because there's all of these gaping holes that we need to be improving and if we know that they're there then that's the first step to actually Mm. doing something about it but as you say when when cars was first developed and invented they didn't know the damage because they didn't have the technology to actually measure the damage right they didn't have the data and so now that we're able to measure absolutely everything we can actually have a very clear picture a weather pattern changes ozone layer changes actual dioxide emissions etc so Mm. i think that's a also interesting point of the more we create the more things there are to measure Mm. and manage and to be a little bit more mindful right like now we have almost a instant understanding of a car company can put something out measure it 
quite quickly and change if they need to, right? It's a little bit more flexible and nimble mm. and innovation is happening a lot quicker because of that, which is which is great. To kind of finish off the kind of the whole brass tax we're trying to get to here is there's still the running costs of an electric vehicle for when it comes to carbon dioxide into being emitted into the atmosphere. So what I've done is basically just kind of taken the sums and tried to parity with the internal combustion engine. So um, when it comes to the lifetime of an EV, it comes down to the quality of the battery. And that obviously, like we mentioned, it's developing. Um, but right now, if you were to kind of like say, what is the lifetime of a battery in terms of kilometres, like a, like a combustion, it's 160,000 Ks. And that that's basically, but there is a big spectrum of that. That's the kind of promise that a manufacturer would like to put onto it, uh, but there's definitely being evidence to show that it can that can bleed out to the two hundred thousand, two hundred forty thousand k mark if if maintained well and things like that. So it's there's still not a lot of evidence there to be able to like put your hat on. Okay, this is how long a battery lasts because it's so uh, young um, in terms of the technology. And then if you look at that, so the amount of energy, so you, you're basically recharging a battery all the time, that takes energy, That's that energy is creating carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, but altogether it's 11.7 tonnes of CO2 over the lifetime of a car. So if you add up the run, the making it and the running it, the, the electric vehicle is 19.7 tonnes of carbon versus the total of a combustion engine, which is 41.9. Um, so roughly half of the total CO2 that you're emitting into the atmosphere if you were to so bring, bring an EV into the world versus a combustion engine. So to produce one, there's more CO2 involved for a battery EV. Yep. But when you look at the lifetime... The, the running costs, yep. It's a 50% differential there. That's If you compare to running it to an ICE, it's it's almost a third, a third, yeah. um, of of the car. But that, but again, and I want to come back to that that little disclaimer that I kind of had at the beginning, which is it all comes down to where you're getting your energy from, your electricity from, most specifically. You could be getting um, a lot of it from um, your solar panels and and wind farms, and poor, that's going to be only a fraction of what of that eleven point seven tons of CO two. So, Bernsey, you've been teasing us this podcast about this asterisk. What is this asterisk all about? Because it's, it sounded pretty good up until now. What? I think I think we can really kind of pat ourselves on the back and say like EVs are the best, uh, and they are. They are amazing, but they're not all great. It's not all it's, smiles and rainbows. No, it's not. It, it is. It actually really boils down to the the battery. Um, that is the that is the asset that you're buying. That is the most. That is where all of the you know research and development is going into. That is essentially like the most optimal way of consuming energy in this way now the kind of not so good part is how you make a battery um and also what we don't know about that because there's some pretty significant consequences to doing that um to making one manufacturing them especially at scale right you're not just making one-offs here you're you're getting ready to transition almost globally an entire fleet of of people that want to get get around with cars or they just become such an integral part of our society and there's a huge demand for batteries and so therefore there's a huge demand of the materials and the minerals and the resources required to make one I'm kind of quoting here from the uh, a study done by the International Energy Agency. Um, Love those guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll put some links up on the uh, on the podcast notes. <laughs> 
basically, again, brass tacks, um, electric vehicles require six times the mineral inputs than a conventional internal combustion engine car. Six? So six times. Um, so there's a lot more dependencies on other minerals found in the earth and across the globe that these EVs rely upon to to do the good that they in, are intended to do. Um, those kind of minerals are like cobalt, lithium, nickel, um, uh, and they're kind of classified as rare earth elements. Most commonly, it's a lithium-ion battery, uh, but there are different kind of uh, different ways, different kinds of batteries as well. The, the New York Times has also kind of done some heavy kind of reporting on this too and kind of more focused and, and been able to dig through a lot of the studies, but there's also some really significant and what they deem as grave environmental and human rights concerns uh, when it comes to making batteries. I've just got these visions of places in Africa with these huge gaping holes to get some of these rare earth elements that you that you mentioned. Well, yeah, and so what the, what a lot of people are calling this is like the supply chain issues of, of batteries, yeah. of making batteries, and that comes down to um, there's essentially a frenzy of demand going on for these essential ingredients and also these essential production facilities that make the components to bring together a battery. Mm. And with a frenzy and, and like, you know, a kind of like a franticness, people don't always do the right thing. Uh, people are not always responsible when they want something really badly. Mm. Um, and another example of that is, say, like the cobalt needed to make a battery. 70% of the, the global cobalt comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And with that, comes a lot of impact upon the local communities. Um, there's also a process called smelting, which is where you essentially get what you pull out of the ground and you need to extract that kind of more pure element. And, you, and there's a process of smelting, which, again, it's unknown as to what do the emissions of that create towards the environment and its CO2 um, you know, impacts, but also other consequences. We're just, we're just kind of looking through the field of carbon dioxide, right? There are other impacts that on the environment that we need to be considering. Ethical. ethical ones, yes, definitely. There's a lot, right? It's a it's a big conversation and it's quite complex. But I think that's interesting. It's it's good for people to be mindful that that battery isn't grown from the ground, right? It's yeah. not you didn't plant a tree in your car and off you go. Like there's a lifetime of processes behind that before you even yeah. turn something on. But I, I think I think also society is now well versed in the notions and the ideas of ethical sourcing of the goods they consume, whether it's your fruit and veg or whether it's your clothes, you know, making sure that you're aware that the the way in which these things are made are done in accordance with, you know, a set of values or at least some principles that you'd like to, you know, make sure that that, that supply chain is adhered to. Now, asking for it and actually making sure it happens are two very different things. But I think what's great is that there are people, there's a whole consumer base that actually is aware of these things and like ethical choices aren't anything new. But I think we've got to remember to bring that into our choices that we're making around EVs too because it's not just this new fandangled thing that's just like, you know, all green and all, you know, all lovely. I think you've also got to have a bit of a critical mindset as to like how was that made and what are the consequences of, of that. And how much do I believe that needs to dictate my choices that I'm making in the in the um? That is a fantastic point that I never really considered about this whole space 
I would thought by default if I'm going to choose an EV, I'm I'm doing good, no matter yeah, what. There's, yeah, there's this aspect to it under the surface that you really got to go out and figure out well, where are those minerals from yeah where have they come from what is that source and, it, and it's not always just like just like these kind of really rare or you know unknown spaces or unseen spaces like the democratic republic of congo right like it's like how often do i see that in my day-to-day knowing that's one thing but then seeing it but i think maybe even for any australian listeners to bring it home like one of the biggest producers of lithium so when you say a lithium-ion battery it relies heavily on lithium um, Australia is one of the three countries where it's being sourced, um, and it's done so through um, being able to uh, essentially process water uh, to extract the lithium from that from that water. And so, um, back to that that stat around how it consumed six times the minerals. Well, to make an EV, also consumes twice as much water than it takes for an internal combustion engine, right? And now, water, you might argue, doesn't have anything to do with CO two. But it does have a very significant influence on the local communities, other industries that rely on that water as well. The crux of it is that whilst we do need to keep an eye on the prize, which is about how much carbon dioxide we're emitting. um, Ourselves and our our choices and our household. Exactly, in our everyday life and in our home. There are flip sides to other other ways as well. And whilst we can really kind of get on the EV bandwagon and, and the production of EVs, the batteries involved in that, which essentially underpins the whole premise of its value, um, that it isn't as cut and dry as it's better. Uh, I think there are consequences that we need to be aware of, but the fact that we're aware of them is the most kind of relieving thing to me um, is because we now, once we've framed that there is a problem, we now can think about how we can solve it. Yeah, but I think at the same time, we don't want to necessarily add more anxiety to the purchasing process. I think the the capitalist system always exploits and this unfortunately is is another example of resources being exploited potentially for the greater good. I think I think there's a lot there and I, I, it isn't really our job to just yeah as you said happy yeah. happy sunshine and fairies and go buy an EV here's some good deals we're here to essentially unpack the good and the and the hidden really of EVs and mm. I think that's a that's a really interesting insight to the fact that we're using new resources in in interesting new ways mm. and it's having different impacts in parts of the world we don't really look at yeah so. but it's, it's just it's just such early days I think that's where people need to remind themselves is that that's it where oh that's bad and that's that's all there's opportunity to solve it before it gets bad and when it comes to that that third lifetime that third part of the life with pretty much everyone always forgets which is like what happens at the end at the end of life right like we all just think about making it running it but then how do we recycle this how are we how are we using this and how are we creating more of a circular economy about what we know to be insanely valuable and terribly important things in our lives yeah i think it's the the innovation in tandem yeah totally so while you're creating let's also think about the recycling or more sustainable ways to get those resources and that's it for episode three no doubt we could spend hours more on this topic and we'll probably do future episodes unpacking the environmental impact of evs we're nina jolo and bernsey thanks everyone for listening don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who will find it interesting find out more on our website makingitev.com and you can follow us on our instagram making underscore it underscore ev for extra content until next time